The social worker didn't know, but they didn't have anybody else. I mean, the doctor certainly didn't know, the nurse didn't know. It's just common sense for us. But for the person who's going through the shock of cancer, they're not thinking clearly, and they don't have the knowledge tool. I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Today, I'm so humbled to chat with Alex Armstrong, CFP, and John Dauphiné. Alex is a founder and chairman of Armstrong, Fleming & Moore, and has been in the financial planning business for over 40 years. Aside from being one of the most successful women in financial planning, she's also a novelist and mentor. She sits on the board of the Foundation for Financial Planning and is the very first recipient of their Lifetime Achievement Award. She is joined today by John, who is the CEO of the Foundation for Financial Planning. Up next, we'll be discussing the Foundation for Financial Planning and their impact with their pro bono work, their decision to represent the first ever Lifetime Achievement Award, and why this foundation is so passionate about the work that they do. Today's episode is brought to you by Markle. As an investment advisor, you know even the littlest detail can make a huge impact, such as those tiny footnotes in the back of a prospectus or annual report. For your firm's professional insurance coverage, the details are also important. That's why your firm needs insurance coverage developed for financial service professionals to protect you, your firm, and your assets. Markle's Investment Advisors Program offers errors and omissions and directors and officers insurance. They've insured our industry and profession for three decades and have a strong reputation within our community as a result of its industry expertise, stable premiums, and excellent claims management services. Markle is proud to be the choice of thousands of financial service professionals. Contact your insurance broker or agent today to get a quote from Markle. Well, on today's episode is such a special episode. I am so excited. I have two guests here with me today. I have Alex Armstrong and John Dauphiné. And this is such a special episode because yesterday, Alex Armstrong, you were awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Foundation for Financial Planning. And so I have you here today, as well as John, who is the president of the Foundation for Financial Planning. So John, can you tell me a little bit more about the foundation? And then why did you pick Alex as your first recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award? Sure, Hannah. So the Foundation for Financial Planning is the nation's only charity that is solely devoted to powering pro bono financial planning bringing free services to hundreds of thousands of Americans that have been underserved and normally wouldn't be able to afford good planning and expert advice. So it's a great mission. Um, And uh, actually next year is our 25th anniversary. So we're very excited about that. And over the course of the history of the foundation, we have never given a Lifetime Achievement Award until now. And we selected Alex Armstrong because she's our not-so-secret weapon, if you want to know the truth. (laughs) She is a prodigious fundraiser, but she's more than that. She has been a champion of pro bono service in the profession for 25 years and has been involved with the foundation from the very beginning. Uh, And just the leadership, uh, the tenacity uh, she has demonstrated is extraordinary. Alex is so committed that she and the partners of her firm, Armstrong, Fleming & Moore, have given the foundation more than a million dollars, which is truly extraordinary. Um, They are our most generous supporters. And uh, again, not just with dollar resources, but with their time, you know, their strategic thinking. Alex is a true thought partner on our board uh, and uh, is a terrific source of guidance uh, for the team as well. So Alex, my goodness, when your name comes up, I mean, you have had such a career. You've been named an icon in financial planning. I mean, as a woman, you were pioneer 
before the pioneers, <laughs> if you would. And so you have such a long and history career within financial planning, but this has been such a passion of yours. What has it been about the foundation that's really drawn you to its mission and its vision? Well, um, it's always bothered me that financial planning usually is associated with wealthier people. And the people that we work with are, for the most part, wealthy. And we know there are a lot of people who need financial advice but can't afford to pay for it. May not even know they need financial advice but get into deep debt. And what really appealed to me about the foundation was they were putting pro bono financial planners together with people who needed advice. And we were reaching people that we, we our firm wasn't reaching on a one-to-one -one basis. And so I thought if we, and the other thing that appealed to me about it is that it's an endowment fund. So you give the money and it produces income and that produces the grants. Now we give some money besides the endowment fund, but what I liked is it was going, it's really a lasting legacy. It's going to be here after we're here rather than giving money to a charity. They spend it and it's gone and they might be gone tomorrow. But with an endowment, you've got a, a feeling that there is some certitude about the future. And one of the things that I'm hearing in, in you saying that I'm also here so often with, with a lot of the new planners is this this desire to help serve the underserved. And so you've really found your avenue through the foundation to doing that. Yes, but you know, somebody asked me last night, well, how much volunteering does your group do? And actually we do more things with the food bank or other charities where it's a day or whatever, rather than our volunteering. But by raising the money, there are two ways you can help the foundation. One is raising the money so it's here tomorrow and continues to help people, but also by motivating young people to give this advice. And quite frankly, for the most part, it's not sophisticated advice, it's basic advice. So almost everybody, even if you're a novice planner, can feel secure that they're giving advice that, that's good. And if it if it's gets beyond them, they can ask somebody else how to solve the problem. You know, Hannah, you're really onto something when you talk about younger planners caring a great deal about pro bono and giving back. We worked with the CFP board to add some questions for the first time to the biannual certificate survey on pro bono. And um, the findings were really extraordinary. Uh, seven in 10 uh, CFP professionals overall said that they think pro bono is an important part of the profession. And um, it is especially resonant with younger planners and female planners. So it really is true um, that younger planners are looking, uh, looking to, for employers that you know, have policies that support this type of thing um, and themselves want to engage as volunteers and, and supporters. And we've gotten a lot of interest when we go to conferences where there are a lot of younger planners. We get so many folks signing up to volunteer. Uh, as an example, it's really been uh, terrific. Let me comment on the million dollars our firm gave. We're not a large firm. We're only 20 people. There are uh, five partners in the firm, but I personally don't have any children. And so in a way, the foundation gets the money <laughs> that might have gone towards education of children or whatever. In the way, uh, it's a way of my giving back. Uh, but the whole firm feels that way. And so they continue to write checks for the amount. And it's sort of incremental. You started and you give a certain amount and then it's sort of, then you think, well, I guess I can give more next time. And so it's sort of like snowball. 
one of the things that I, again, in talking to new planners and talking about firms that can attract the best talent, it's kind of what you're talking about is this culture of like, what's in your firm's culture? Is your firm about giving back? Like, is that something that's ingrained or is it all about the bottom line? And, and so I hear you say that and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't see any planners that would probably like to work at your firm. <laughs> right. Well, Bill Carter was saying that just yesterday. He was saying that it was very competitive. There's a new program of Texas uh, A&M and that he got up and running because he's an active alumni. And he said uh, it's very competitive to hire the people, but he said it was because of our corporate culture of giving back that these two, who he introduced me to, are working for them. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a lawyer by training, and when I was uh, graduating from law school, I looked for a law firm that had policies in place that really supported pro bono service, um, including having a partner oversee it and um, having uh, the ability to apply some of your uh, pro bono hours to your billable requirements. Uh, very important for a young lawyer. And, um, and I think the same thing is happening in financial planning. It's a much younger profession, but you're starting to see big companies, you're starting to see independent firms implement policies, um, join up with financial planning day, and, you know, the staff. Um, we actually have a firm we're doing a pilot with. They are providing about 15 CFP professionals to man a hotline for underserved people who will be able to call and get one-on-one guidance uh, during a national webinar that we're doing with AARP. So it's very exciting, and I think we'll see more of it over time. The foundation does so much good work, and I know you've alluded to, like, there's really two ways to support. You know, obviously, you know, the giving money and... Alex is a very good fundraiser. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but um, but it's also about donating and, and getting involved and helping provide that service and donating your time. John, can you talk more about what does the foundation do? How do you actually do this? And then how do how do planners fit into this? Yeah, sure. So we do several things to power pro bono um, across the country. One is, uh, as Alex mentioned, providing grants to great nonprofits that are building and running programs that involve CFP professionals as volunteers to help underserved groups, domestic violence survivors, veterans, people with serious illness, and many others. Um, We also provide free resources to planners uh, so they can use them with pro bono clients um, and also training and engagement. We have a kind of a pro bono 101 online training. Uh, Folks can get a CE credit if they take that. Um, So that's another dimension of the work we do. And then thought leadership and partnering. We worked very closely with our grantee Family Reach to build um, our pro bono for cancer initiative from the ground up. And uh, this is is really exciting because it's a virtual program. It's a national program. And uh, so we have planners from 42 different states, uh, and we are serving families across the country. We'll have served more than 500 families by the end of this year. Uh, and really, it's such a dark time for them to be able to rely on a trusted, you know, objective advisor uh, is, is just a gift in this time, is what we're hearing uh, from the patients. And uh, we're really, really proud of how this is scaling. Um, and again, because it's virtual, it doesn't have to be, you know, geographically all, you know, in one place. Um, And that gives us a lot more flexibility. And that's the kind of opportunity we think is the wave of the future. So we're going to be trying to foster more and more of that. Um, And uh, 
we're building a digital platform that we are hoping will be a very uh, smooth way for advisors to find volunteer opportunities either in their community or virtually. So that's another way we're working to really bring volunteerism uh, more and more to the fore and make it easier. The virtual thing is, is really important because, of, particularly with the patients with cancer, they are devastated. And to have to go to an office from 9 to 5, it doesn't fit into any of their schedules. So this way they can do it on the weekend, they can do it in the evening, they can do it when it's convenient for them as well as planners. So that's why it really works. Yeah, that's a great point. So Alex, tell me, I know you've been on the board and helping make a lot of these decisions about what to focus on. Why cancer why, why families who are struggling with cancer? Well, we were giving a lot of small grants, and they were good grants. We were more reactive than proactive. And the board decided about three years ago that we needed to focus more. And then we said, well, a disease would be something. And then we decided cancer because there are so many different kinds of cancer that you're... And everybody has some experience with cancer. And then we were, but then John uh, was able to find a group that was already working on this and saw the need for the financial advice. And so we had a partner that we could work with. And then and there was an east-west, so it fell. And so when you focus, not that we're ignoring the other stuff, but when you focus, it's easier to fundraise when you have a specific that people can relate to, like cancer. When you're more we're all over the map. It doesn't appeal as much, but when we could find a project then, and everybody's had an experience with cancer in their family or friends, and for instance, my siblings died of cancer. The chair of the foundation's sister died of cancer. I mean, it, it, it is close to home. Now, that doesn't mean we'll only do cancer. We do other projects, and we may in future years move more to the military support again, which we did in the past a lot of, um, because it's a crying need too. But if you focus, then people identify more with it. And to add to what Alex said, it, so it's very relatable. We've seen um, the, these stresses, right, um, of folks with cancer, um, financial stresses, but there's also a really compelling body of research about what's called the financial toxicity of cancer and about um, one-third of folks with a serious cancer diagnosis actually deplete all of their savings and about a quarter will have to raid their retirement funds. So the financial fallout can be, you know, really um, ruinous. And with good financial planning, getting in front of the crisis um, and trying to bring resources to people early in the diagnosis can really have an impact. So I think the board, Alex, the board looked at the data and, uh, and, and, and also because it is so relatable and widespread of a problem, um, it just, it seemed like a very, very uh, important uh, focus area for us. And what's, what's so alarming about the financial toxicity of cancer is it also drives worse health outcomes for patients. Patients who are under enormous financial stress um, are, are more at risk health-wise. Um, and in fact, uh, people with cancer are um, 2.65 uh, times more likely to have to declare bankruptcy. Uh, and people um, in bankruptcy uh, uh, are 80 percent more likely to die um, people with cancer than people with cancer who are not in bankruptcy. So there's been really compelling uh, research around this area. Wow, that's a very sobering statistic. It is. Yeah. 
has pro bono always been an important part of your career, or how has that helped shape your career? I think pro bono. I was raised a Catholic. I went to Catholic girls' schools all my life through college, and it was inbred into you that it was important to give back. Um, it happened that the first job I had, I worked for a uh, stockbroker brokerage firm, a regional firm, before I got into financial planning. And the woman I worked with uh, was also Catholic, it turned out, and she was a big believer in giving back to the community that gives to you. So she said, it's not enough to be successful, you have to give back uh, to the community in whatever way. And so she set a good example. So I also was on the board of Reading as Fundamental that motivates young children to read the national board. And so it's just been sort of part of my operation. I, I feel very strongly um, I'd rather give to something that involves people and helps them than um, the arts. I think the arts are very important and all the rest, but to give to the symphony or the theater doesn't appeal to me personally. If I can make a per difference in a person's life with the work we're doing, that's what I want to do. And that's just a personal preference. Right, right. Like we do with our clients, right? Like some people have different right. preferences, preferences yeah. around those things. What's so great about Alex um, also is that she really does view it as a professional, you know, responsibility and, and, a, and a really important part of a true profession. Um, and I think that, um, you know, to see a relatively young profession like financial planning, you know, really embracing this um, and having it be part of the DNA uh, of the field is 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 really uh, remarkable. But see, I think it really dovetails with our profession. Our profession, rather than, as I said, I started my career at a stock brokerage firm, and then it was quite cut and dry with stocks and bonds. You didn't get involved in anything else. And uh, why financial planning appealed to me was you were looking at the total picture, and I always said to people, you do a better job for your clients if you see the total picture. And to me, it just made common sense to do financial planning rather than just investment planning. Uh, so I think it all fits into that, that people who get into financial planning, I think for the most part, really want to help people. <laughs> and, and so it takes more time, it takes more effort. But when you can change people's lives, I mean, Wealthy people need help, too. I mean, they, they, they make mistakes also. And if you can help them, then they may have some extra money to give back to charity. So in the way, it's sort of a circle. I've been having quite a few conversations with, with newer, younger planners about this idea of, you know, being a profession, financial planning, you know, one of the tenets of being a profession is that it affects every person's life, right? Like a doctor, health affects every person's life. A lawyer affects every person's life. And so this idea of financial planning impacts every person's life. If we're going to say financial planning is a profession, then how do we make it available to everybody? And there's lots of conversations about how, you know, we've kind of figured out how to serve the wealthy. You know, if you have over a million dollars, kind of got that figured out. You know, but how do you go to the people who don't have that wealth and then, you know, to the people who are in these really hard situations and really in these professions, there is always a pro bono arm and it's always a prevalent element of it. And kind of what you were saying, John, to your point of, you know, when you're looking for jobs as a lawyer, like it's almost expected that, yes, you serve the, you know, high net worth, but because you do that, therefore you, you volunteer in pro bono. Yes, that's very true. And I think that's something, as I said, Don Pitty, who was one of the founders of the financial planning group, 
visualize that early on. And he said, if we're really going to be a profession, we have to have a propono uh, uh, component. But then the fact is, it appeals to a lot of people. So it's sort of, as I said, a circle. We like to help people in financial planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it's very satisfying. I mean, I've been doing it for 40 years. And the fact is, I've seen it work out. You know, I've seen the person that didn't have too much starting out, but by doing, by saving and investing and not panicking out of the market with our help, um, they got to retire in comfort and help their children and their grandchildren and, and how money really is a tool to achieve their goals. So it's very satisfying. That's why I'm always surprised there are not more women in the business because you help people, you use your brain and you make some money. So, and it can be very What's flexible like, in hours. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it can be very flexible as the hours if you've got the right management. <laughs> right. You know, with all the work that you do with the foundation, are there any stories that you can share about families who've been impacted and how positively impacted they have been through the work of the foundation? Um, yes, uh, what comes to mind, uh, we actually made a couple of videos and they're on our website. But the one, one thing that we do, which is really great, we have three board meetings a year and John always arranges to have somebody come in who is working on one of the projects. So at one of ours, the Longos came in. What was striking was Mike was 29, and they had two small children. And they were both working, but not in high-paying jobs. And this just threw them for a loop. And so they were one of our first couples we worked with, and we had Yusuf. Uh, who was with Yeski Buey's firm in Virginia working with them. And he really helped them in different ways. One way was he actually got them into better jobs. He, he, he got into, well, what are you skilled at, whatever, et cetera. They got a handle on the bills. And they were so grateful and so enthusiastic that actually they were on stage at the FBA last year telling their story, saying we're willing to tell it to anybody who wants to hear it. And they said it really made a difference. One thing about the volunteer work is you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Uh, they, he, she, he worked with them for about a year. Um, and then um, he, it wasn't like he didn't abandon them and they couldn't come back to him, but then he went on to his next family. So what it'll happen is you have a serial thing, so it's not a lifelong commitment as far as that goes. Yeah, for pro bono, there's no implementation and there's no duty to monitor or update a plan over time, typically. So it, it's, it's, it's designed so that it's a reasonable time commitment for the volunteer but it still has enormous impact. Because what was happening was the social worker would say, remortgage your home. Well, that's not the best solution for most people. The social worker didn't know, but they didn't have anybody else. I mean, the doctor certainly didn't know, the nurse didn't know. And so this is where we could cope. It's just common sense for us. But for the person who's going through the shock of cancer, they're not thinking clearly. And they don't have the knowledge tool. Yeah, and even I remember in the case of the Longos, um, one of the things Yusuf did is look at the tax issues and um, realized that they could have more take-home pay uh, every week because they were withholding too much. Um, and so that helped with cash flow. Um, and they had a lot of unforeseen expenses given Mike's treatment. And uh, so just just things like that, which seem sort of matter of course for a planner, really can have a, a very immediate impact. 
You know, I'm hearing you guys share this story. One of my immediate thoughts and one of my immediate reasons I would be like, oh, I'm so scared I'm not qualified um, for helping somebody like this. Um, you know, are there social programs or how do you help make sure that the planners are really equipped? Because I don't know the social programs that are available. I don't know if there's, Great you know, question. it feels like there's, there's, a, there's a large space out there that's not in my repertoire because I use... Those aren't so the clients that I work with. It's a great question. Yeah, and I think you, you do see nervousness, right? Um, especially when an advisor has not helped someone with chronic illness um, uh, before. Um, so one of the things we did is we partnered with uh, Family Reach, uh, and they are um, you know, a longtime charity in the cancer space. So they have oncological social workers on their team, um, and they also are very knowledgeable about the pharma assistance programs and about health insurance optimization. Okay, so you can pick a health insurance plan that's going to give you better coverage, right, during your open enrollment, those types of issues. So the planners who volunteer don't need to know that, um, but the families do get that uh, as part of the bundled service. Um, we also worked with them to do a training, and we recruited volunteer financial planners who were expert in cancer-related issues uh, to provide content. Uh, and, and I want to take a moment and really thank the folks um, that, uh, that helped us out. Um, it was an ad hoc group, um, and FPA was a partner in you know, bringing them in. We also created a digital uh, toolkit uh, as part of the training that has um, ancillary materials that planners may need. And lastly, we funded um, a community of volunteers. So it's very easy for them to ask questions of each other, support each other, um, you know, trade tips. Uh, and, uh, and that um, is, is really important because it does uh, uh, add to the support and it gives sort of an in real time way to solicit feedback. Um, so we're really interested in making sure the volunteers feel supported, especially when they're faced with issues that they may not you know, have faced before. Well, the other thing is the online course that you take, uh, which uh, Kaplan developed for us and donated to us. And then um, American Funds Capital Group funded that uh, too. And so they do have that as a basic. And in fact, it's required that you take that before you can help a family. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So there's actually two trainings, kind of our Pro Bono 101 uh, that was funded by Capital Group and then a special cancer training as well. Um, and folks can get a CE credit for each. Um, and, uh, um, you know, so and again, it's not a, a, a huge time commitment, um, but we try to put all the need to know information in those trainings. So I definitely encourage listeners to, to look at them. So what I'm hearing you guys say is that um, if somebody wants to volunteer, you guys are really going to make sure that they have the tools in order to provide the advice that, that needs to be given. And we don't want to be in a position of <coughs> having a volunteer give the wrong advice. Right. right. So one of the safeguards, we do require that the person be a CFP at this point so that they have the, the background as far as that uh, goes. Yeah, and in funding um, really great nonprofits, they also have staff that know public benefits, you know, that know resources in the communities um, that lower-income people might need to use. So there's a really good referral network as well. So um, just as an example, if a planner thinks, um, you know, that this individual may have to declare personal bankruptcy, there's typically, bank, you know, bank. Uh, pro bono bankruptcy attorneys that some of our grantees work with. There's credit counseling. So there is a support network um, for the planners that they can access through the, um, the grantees that we fund. And really any CFP 
can do this. Every, any right. CFP can be involved. Like this is not a huge commitment. Like you don't have to go through your firm. I mean, may, maybe some firms we, we do. do. Maybe some firms you do. You should check with your compliance yeah. um, department, but um, generally that's not an issue at all. Um, mm -hmm. And and uh, uh, we just don't see that um, that people are stopped from volunteering. And one of the terrific benefits FPA offers its members is. Uh, uh, an insurance policy that covers errors and omissions for anyone who's doing pro bono, any FPA member. So that's a terrific benefit. And um, we encourage folks who, you know, think uh, their own policies may not cover them to join FPA uh, for that very reason. Oh, that's, see, I didn't even know about that benefit. That's, yeah. It's so under leverage. I keep telling yeah. Lauren, shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, but my I've goodness. I've had planners say to me, I'm worried about E&O, and I said, well, as an FPA member, you have that's it. That's covered. Yeah. yeah. So somebody listening to this podcast, this is CFP is like, you know what? I could really help with this. You know, where would they go to get involved? Yeah, sure. Folks can go right to foundationforfinancialplanning.org and sign up to volunteer on our website. And then we will reach out when we see opportunities. Uh, we are also recruiting right now for the Pro Bono for Cancer uh, initiative, and folks can sign up on our website for that as well. Um, and again, because that's virtual, people from anywhere. Uh, can volunteer and be matched with families. Um, and uh, uh, again, uh, very, uh, you know, it's a very popular program. We're getting really good feedback about it. And you can do in the evenings, you can do what's convenient with your schedule, I'm assuming? Yes, uh, you would, you know, set up the, uh, the training is online. Both trainings are online, virtual, take at your convenience. And then the planner is onboarded by our partner, Family Reach, um, and then starts receiving referrals. Uh, and there's a, um, a really great digital platform where everything is managed. The letter of engagement gets signed there. Um, the planner can file some reports um, on the engagement back to the uh, nonprofit partner. Um, and so we tried to make it as easy as possible. And I, as I understand, there are videos on our website. There's a lot of more information um, about other people. And for instance, a video we showed at this conference uh, was uh, the planner was in California and the couple was in Boston which is an extreme example, but it often happens. Yeah, I really encourage listeners to watch the videos. Um, again, we were talking about stories earlier, and there is, as Alex mentioned, such a powerful story about Matt and Yi, a young couple. He was struck with uh, stage four colon cancer in his early 40s, and um, his wife was able to, to um, access the program, and they've gotten a lot of assistance from Craig Cohn, their planner. Uh, it's a really inspiring story, and, uh, and it's, it's right there on our website. So encourage folks to check it out. You know, at FPA has their vision statement, of, you know, to elevate the profession that transforms lives through the power of financial planning. And I know sometimes in the day-to-day -day grind of working in a firm, and maybe you're not client-facing, and but this is, seems like a way that you can really see how financial planning can transform lives of, of families who really need it. And, and to be a part of that, I mean, that's something really special. It is. And often, you know, as we all know, folks with fewer resources have much less margin for error in yeah. their financial lives. So uh, it really makes a difference. It really makes a difference. And even people who don't have a lot can benefit enormously from, from good advice and planning. So Alex, you're the first winner of this Lifetime Achievement Award. Are you... I mean, I'm assuming you're going to stay involved with this. Is oh, this of course. We won't let her not. I, I was going to say, this seems like a, life, a lifetime achievement. This is, this is a lifetime. 
Well, let me say that I started out being on, I was recruited to uh, get money from planners. And as I said, I'd never raised money before. Uh, but I tapped my friends and it seemed to make sense. I did know a lot of people. And then I was asked to go on the board and I went on the board and then I became chair of the board. And then they kept, the, our bylaws say, if you're head of a committee, then you, you, don't, you aren't termed out. What are our terms, two years or three years? Two. Two years, so you can do two, two years. But after that, you've gotta be the head of the committee or you're out. Um, and so then they kept, but there was only one committee I could chair, which was a fundraising committee. I have so many solicits corporations and so many does individuals, they report to me. But, but I do it all too. Finally, they gave up. They said, we can't keep inventing stuff for you, so we're gonna make you a meritus board member. And as long as you wanna be on the board and as long as you have your mental fa faculties, pretty much, you, you can stay out as long as you want to, as long as you wanna be involved. So that's why I've been on the board over 20 years. <laughs> so. So I'm, I'm sorry, it's a three-year term. I, I totally spaced, yeah. For the listener who's, who's listening to this, and really resonating with caring about pro bono like you've cared in your career, what would be your advice to them? How would you how would you advise the how would you advise the Alex Armstrong however many years ago? Well, um, what what somebody told me early on, which I thought was good, was pick charities that you care about, but don't spread yourself too thin. In other words, pick one or two charities that resonate with you. And quite frankly, I, I was also president of the Boy Scouts in Washington, the first and only woman president. And, uh, but, and we're one of the largest councils in the country. But I did it because I liked what they were doing with youth, uh, aside from the problems they have. But, but I did it that way. It, over a period of time, I got three of my best clients. I didn't do it for that. But they saw that I was on the board, I lent something to the board, I did what I said I was going to do, and I could be relied on. And as a result, one, the biggest one came, he said, you know, I have a broker at this firm and she doesn't pay much attention to me, and I just wondered if you could handle my, but it was because, so it actually can be good for business, but I always say to people, don't do it for that. Do it because you care about what's happening. So and I was involved with reading is fundamental too. So pick two or three. I'm involved with the Boys and Girls Club of Sarasota in uh, Florida, which uh, because I care about the youth and making a difference in their lives. So, but don't do too many, try to focus. Um, and um, I always say, if they ask you to be on the board, they usually want time and money. It used to be time or money, but, or they want you to get money for them or help them get money, which is, which is, which is okay. And whatever they say, you know, they say, oh, it'll be only a few hours or you only have to give a hundred dollars. It's usually you have to double whatever they tell you, but I would say <laughs> focus on it and also uh, do what to be a responsible board member. Don't just add it for there's lots of places that want your dollars. I mean, I was at a pack reception last night, you know, and they're giving similar, similar ads. And, and I was standing next to a young planner who, and, the, you know, their whole thing was $50 for fiduciary, yeah. which is a great, you know, great, uh -huh. great cause. 
a lot of people, especially as they're starting out, maybe don't have the financial resources and just have the time. How would you kind of advise them? I would advise the young person time. We need volunteers. as Every charity needs volunteers as well as money. And uh, what I would try is psychologists recruit you, you know, if you could give something, you know, if it's $25 a month, whatever. What we try to do is we, uh, the foundation, try to build the givers of tomorrow. You know, you start out at 25, well, 10 years from now, maybe it's more 100 you know, and then, you know, as you get more and more successful. But the volunteering is important. I wish I had had the time to do the volunteering. So I had to make a choice for whatever reason. I seem to have a talent of raising money. So that's what I focus on. I wish I could do both. And now that I'm getting ready to retire, maybe I can do both. We're going to wrap up. Is there anything else that you guys want to be sure that we cover? Our board has 17 members and it's pretty evenly divided and between corporate representatives and individual planners. And then we try with the planners to have them geographically diversified and then, of course, diversified. And actually, we have a fair percentage of women on our board. In fact, one person who was interviewing uh, with us to be the head of our association said, why do you have so many women? And the executive director at the time said, because they get the job done. So, but it really is a good marriage. So we have people from Pershing, from Fidelity, from Schwab, from TD Ameritrade, from Capital Research on the board. And they give us their perspective as well as participate as partners. And then the planners uh, give their perspective and it's a good back and forth between the two elements. Uh, and as, as I mentioned earlier, we're really excited because next year is our 25th anniversary, and we uh, have a 25th anniversary partner in uh, the Charles Schwab Foundation. Uh, and in fact, they are sponsoring a $500,000 match campaign. Uh, so we'll be running that all through 2020, and it's a dollar-for-dollar match um, up to $500,000. Uh, so we're really grateful for that. Schwab's our biggest corporate supporter, and uh, we'll be we're working hard to continue to bring in resources so we can sustain these pro bono efforts across the country and grow them. We have a really ambitious agenda of growth in the next five years. So, so we have about $21 million in the endowment fund, and they get mad at me, but my goal is 50 So <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'll live to see it, but I hope I do. <laughs> We're working <laughs> because, on it. Because the more money we raise, the more people we can help. Today's episode is brought to you by Markle. As an investment advisor, you know even the littlest detail can make a huge impact, such as those tiny footnotes in the back of a prospectus or annual report. For your firm's professional insurance coverage, the details are also important. That's why your firm needs insurance coverage developed for financial service professionals to protect you, your firm, and your assets. Markle's investment advisors program offers errors and omissions and directors and officers insurance. They've insured our industry and profession for three decades and have a strong reputation within our community as a result of its industry expertise, stable premiums, and excellent claims management services. Markle is proud to be the choice of thousands of financial service professionals. Contact your insurance broker or agent today to get a quote from Markle. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.